Well, just as it may times work out and how things happen, I have two of my grandchildren that have joined our class today. Their parents are gone for the weekend. We had them, and Linda said, honey, I'd like to come to the class, but I have nowhere to put Creighton and Carson. I said, bring them on. They may as well learn about their grandparents right now. (laughs) All these secrets, you know, we're letting them know. So, you know, um, as we began with Jonathan last week, this is a four-session class, right? So um, we broke it up into where Jonathan started last week with the grandparents and God, which is our foundation. Uh, then today we're going to talk about grandparents and, and our relationship with our own children as grandparents. And we're going to look at that. Uh, and I'm glad Jonathan didn't teach that because I can say things he can't. And th- that need to be said. And then what's really going to, I think, uh, and what you, I know you're all looking forward to is those last two lessons where Jonathan's going to focus on giving you uh, resources and um, thoughtful, creative ways to do that teaching. So that's ahead of you. Don't, don't get anxious and go, my goodness, we're learning uh, all of these things, but not learning how to teach our children. He's going to help us on that last one. But, you know, as a very, very uh, important part of this, I just wanted to go through our review because um, we started with our responsibility before God as a grandparent, focusing on what to do. Jonathan led us into what to do, which is so important, you know, and he said, you are responsible to God for your interaction with your grandkids, and you're responsible to God for what you declare to your grandkids. Um, and we looked at Psalm seventy-one seventeen that says, what we declare about God. Psalm seventy-one seventeen said, oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still declare your wondrous deeds Even when I am old and gray, some of us are headed that way, some of us are that way, Um, he said, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to all who are to come. For your righteousness, O God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? So what do you declare? Your wondrous deeds, your strength, your power, your righteousness, the great things that God has done. That's, that's what Psalm 71 told us. In Psalm 78, verse 4 says, we will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come, what? The praises of the Lord, his strength, his wondrous works that he has done. For he has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. Tell uh, that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children, that they should put their confidence in God and do not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. So those are going to be key verses all the way through any study of grandparenting, Psalm 71, Psalm 78, and Psalm 145, which says this, Great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. I will meditate. So again, that focus, what is it that we're to do as grandparents? We're to teach our grandchildren. What are we to teach them? We're to teach them about God. We're to teach them about his power, about his wondrous deeds, about his attributes, about what he has done, and um, that our that our grandchildren might come to know the living God. Then we talked about how. 
Jonathan led us a little bit in how do we teach these things. We know what to teach, but how do we teach? And he told us we teach with words, and then we teach through our example. And uh, words came from remind them of these things, from First Timothy, or 2 Timothy 2, 14. Uh, remind them of these things to solemnly charge in the presence of God, not to wrangle about words which is useless and leads to ruin of the hearers. But where do we be what? Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Our words are to be the words of God that we have learned to accurately handle. We must be diligent so that we can accurately handle the word of truth so we can pass it down. It's got to be a focal point in our lives. And then 1 Corinthians 11, 1 says, as Paul said, be imitators of me just as I am also what? An imitator of Christ. Our children, our grandchildren should be able to follow our example. Uh, Philippians 3.17 said, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. You know, that, that old adage of you do as I say but not as I do, that really never worked, never really worked, never, it's certainly not biblical. Um, we need to be able to look at our grandchildren and say, do as I say and do as I do. Our example's hugely important. Our walk is hugely important. And that's why the second part of Jonathan's lesson was your relationship with God as a grandparent. Primary, primary to your relationship with your grandkids is your own relationship with the Lord. Certainly, you're not going to be effective in teaching your grandchildren if you're not uh, close to the Lord and, and being diligent in your relationship with Him. So, Jonathan led us through... Uh, the three ways we do that, we're to love the Lord our God, as Deuteronomy 6, 5 said. We're to meditate on the Word of God, as Deuteronomy 6, 6 says. And we're to dwell on the works of God, as Psalm 145, 5 says. So, that, that part of the foundation must be in place. It's, it's crucially important. Your number one foundation, your number one Priority in your relationship with your grandkids is your own relationship with the Lord. Number one. So, we're responsible to teach our grandchildren God's Word, explain His attributes, His deeds, and the gospel of His Son in salvation. We're to instruct our grandchildren with words and by example. We're to cultivate a deep personal relationship with the Lord by loving Him, meditating Him on His Word, and dwelling on His works. So, if you weren't here last week, that's the foundational aspect that we, you have to have, okay? Now, even before we go into talking about grandchildren, there's another part of your foundation, and that is your own relationship with your child, your child who had your grandchildren. And um, before we talk about grandchildren, we have to have that foundation in place. It's crucially important. First, our relationship with our Lord. Second, our relationship with our child. And that's what our topic is today. And again, it comes under how do we teach our grandchildren? How do we teach our grandchildren is founded in the relationship with our child and the role that we have with our child, okay? And the theme of today's lesson is that how we are going to teach our grandchildren is going to be in a support role, okay? We are not primary in our role with our grandchildren, um, so, uh,
there's a reason for that. And I, you know, I want you to, as you're thinking about your relationship with your own child, I want you to be able to take a long view of that. You know, we're real, we're, we're always in the moment, right? And we're so quick to see things in a particular point in time and want to address that. You know, there's, there's this happening right now and, you know, it needs to be addressed. What I want you to think about is this is a long-term relationship that you have. It's for the rest of your life here on earth, okay? So don't get caught up in the moment all the time. Think of this as a long-term nurturing relationship that you're going to have with both your child and your grandchildren now. Why do you need to think long-term? Well, I'll tell you why. (laughs) Because... It's dynamic and it's constantly changing. What we're going to look at today are principles because I can't give you a checklist because as you saw from Doug's opening, we're all in different spots. We have some, we have young grandchildren, some have old grandchildren. Um, Some of us are young grandparents, some of us are old grandparents. So we're going to look at principles that will guide us through this. And these principles, look, they're not new but the way you apply them to your relationship with your child is new. So I want you to, as we go through these, I want you to think about that. And then I want you to understand how dynamic this is. Because your grandchildren are growing up. Your grandchildren are changing rapidly, right? And uh, so what you do with them when they're younger is not what you do with them as they get older. It changes. And your relationship with your children is changing. It's dynamic. And it's, you know what? As your children raise their children, they get more experience in what? Yeah, and in parenting, they get better at it. Um, We're experts because we've already raised children, right? But they're not, and they're getting better at it. So your children's experience is growing. They're, they're changing. Your relationship with them will be changing all through this, okay? And then the last dynamic part of this is you. You're getting older. <laughs> so that's going to impact what, you, what activities you do with your child. My first grandchild is over there. He's now 11 years old, right, Creighton? What I did with him, I probably am not going to do with the one that's just now one year old. Uh, 11 years have changed me. I'm sorry. I can't do the same thing. So that's, that's why this is dynamic. That's why these are principles. I, it's not static. You're never going to be at one point. You never can get your balance and go, okay, I've got it now. Because guess what? Then you got the next thing coming. Okay? So it's going to require you think through these things on the long term and, 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 and applying these principles. Now, last week we filled in those little cards. And one of the questions on those little cards were, what challenges do you face as a grandparent? And so we got your feedback. Very helpful for me in teaching this class because here were some of the challenges that you mentioned that we're going to uh, talk about today. And maybe if we get time at the end, probably not, but maybe, um, we'll come back to these questions. Uh, but let me read them to you. These came from you. One of the, one of the challenges is, is, how do we know when to keep our opinions on our child's parenting flaws to ourselves? Somebody made it more succinctly, said their challenge is knowing when to keep our mouth shut. <laughs> Period. Period. Yeah, it says, uh, another one said, when to and when not to provide advice 
to our children on parenting? What is our role in the discipline and the instruction of our grandchild? What is our role in that? I remember uh, one of my grandchild looked at me one time and said, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know what? There's a certain aspect of that that's correct. We're not the primary boss. And then another one looked at me and said, you can't spank me. See, these kids, the kids get it pretty quickly, right? They understand there's a difference in these roles. Uh, they don't always understand exactly how much that difference is going to impact them. Uh, they learn. So uh, then number four, when to correct our own children when we see them discipline their grandchildren in error, our grandchildren in error. How to point out to our children the mistake they are making by showing favoritism between grandchildren. And then how do we evangelize our grandchildren if our own children are not saved? Okay? Those are, look, those, all of those issues have to do with our relationship with our own child. Okay? And, you know, as I was looking at this, there's so many places to go on this. We could have, you know, we could do three or four or five weeks on just this one issue, right? And I get that. I mean, we're not going to answer all your questions. We are going to have a panel at the very end where if you do have a question, you'll be able to come and we'll, we'll try to answer some questions at the very end, the last session of this. But, you know, as a, as a broad view and giving you principles to use, that's kind of what I want to start with today. And, you know, part of it is, you know, we, we do have a little reversal in roles. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that before. Maybe at work. Maybe at work, have you ever been in a place where maybe you were promoted over your former boss and he now works for you? Or maybe one of your employees was promoted over you and now you work for them. Does that create any challenges? Can you see where that, there would be some difficulties in that? What, what, what kind of challenges would you see in that environment? What would you see? where maybe your boss now works for you. What, what issues would that present, you think? Hard yeah, it's hard for that boss now to come under you, isn't it? It's, that's a challenge. What else? Communication. Uh, confidence in what the word uh, is. Yeah, maybe, maybe that boss, you know, is having a little trouble trusting you in accomplishing the job that he used to do. Um, you know, you think of that on the other hand, if you were the boss and the employee was promoted over you, what difficulties would that make for you now as having a, the employee now have authority over you? What problems would that create for you? Yeah, they don't know everything you know. You've been the boss, <laughs> right? You can just begin to see that's, you know, there's some trials to that. How about in church? Maybe you've worked in a ministry and, and you led that ministry and now the next person comes in and, and you're just in a support role and they're leading the ministry. Ever had that? Does that create any challenges? Uh, maybe they're doing it a different way and you're like, well, wait a minute, I know that's you're not, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Or how about if, you know, um, and you have that in the, uh, in the reverse. Maybe you were uh, one that was supporting the ministry, and now you're leading it, and that person that led it is now, you know, just in a support role. 
But they have great ideas for you, and they give them to you constantly. <laughs> They're still trying to lead it. I was at a church in Colorado recently. The Jones were with me. It wasn't a great uh, environment. But anyway, the, the pastor dad formally led the church. And it appeared the dad had some trouble giving that roll up because he opened the service and he closed the service. It's a, you know, it's just a problem. And then at home, perhaps you've had a relationship with your parents. At one time, your parents had authority over you. Now your parents are in their latter years. They can't take care of themselves anymore. And now you have to have authority over them. Do they like that? Does that create some challenges? Yeah, okay. Now you're kind of setting the stage for what happens when you change. So now you can look at your sheet because um, your prior relationship with your child was built on these scriptures, okay? You had a God-given responsibility with your child to love and lead them to maturity as an independent adult. That's the goal of a parent. You want to lead your children to be independent, I'm not sure all adults get that. Their children are still living with them, and they're 35, 38. I have uh, one of Linda's aunts whose uh, children are in their 50s, and they live very close. 60s, their children are in the 60s. They've never left home. You got to understand, your responsibility is to love and lead them to maturity as an infant adult. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. We're to train our children. And B, your God-given responsibility with your child is to guide them to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You're pointing them to Christ. 2 Timothy 3.14, however, continue in the things which you have learned and become not convinced of, knowing from who you learn them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. From childhood... From the beginning of the time with your own child, you were pointing them to Jesus Christ. See, your God-given responsibility with your child is to provide discipline at the appropriate times to discourage disobedient or unwise behavior. Hebrews 12, 7, for the discipline that you endure, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? That's an expectation in Scripture that parents will discipline their children, and that's the role you had. And then Ephesians 6, 4, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then D, your God-given responsibility with your child is to do these things without provocation to anger or without discouraging them to where they lose hope. Colossians 3, uh, 21 says, fathers do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Okay? Now, that's our prior relationship with our child. Do any of those things continue to carry forward even in, in when they're in adulthood and we're in adulthood? Yes, there are some. Are some things no longer a part of your relationship with them? There are some, okay? Hopefully, you're not disciplining your adult children. That's not your role. Um, but I hope that you still you know, are loving them and leading them as, as you know, the, maybe the patriarchs of the family. Um, you know, and I hope you're still encouraging them. We'll look at that. But the role changes. Your role in your relationship with your child changes. And the first time it changed is at the marriage of your child. Your relationship with your children changed significantly when they married their spouse. 
And Genesis, uh, you know, anticipated that, right? Genesis 2.23 says, uh, the man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. At the point your child married, there became a relationship in them that became primary to your relationship with them. It puts you in a, no longer in that first role with your child. There's somebody now, their spouse comes before you. Um, Ephesians 5.31 says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, they shall be joined to his wife, and the two become one flesh. That thought again taken into the New Testament is not, it's not that this just happened in Genesis. This continues to happen. Happens in all of our relationships with our children. When they get married, it changes. Our relationship changes. And we have to be, we have to recognize that. You know, what happens when a son gets married and the son's mom wants to remain the primary in the relationship with that son? Seen that happen? And the mom says, look, you choose me or your spouse. I mean, look, that's happened out. That happens. That shouldn't happen to Christians, but it happens out there. And it's tragic because that's not what's supposed to be. That's not what it needs to be. We need to understand that that uh, spouse becomes primary and we're secondary as parents. B, your relationship with your children changes again at the birth of your grandchild. It changes again. Listen to these verses. Exodus twenty twelve. Honor your father and mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Exodus twenty one seventeen. He who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Leviticus nineteen three. Every one of you shall reverence his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbath. I am the Lord your God. Deuteronomy five sixteen. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. Proverbs six twenty. My son, observe the commandments of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Now, Jesus says in Matthew 15, 4, he quotes these words. For God said, honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of his father and mother to be put to death. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for that is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may be well with you and that... You may live long on the earth. So when I read you all those verses, how many times did I say grandparents? None. Those verses are all directed between the child and the parent. There's a reason for that. They clearly establish the primary relationship is between the parents and their children. Now, are grandparents worthy of honor, do honor? Yes, yes. I'm not saying they're not, but what I'm saying is the primary relationship that your children and your grandchildren have is with one another, and you're secondary. See? Your children, see, have the primary responsibility for the spiritual development of your grandchildren. In that regard, when your grandchild looks at you and says, you're not the boss of me, they have something that's right. You're not the primary boss. But 
you're in a support role. Now, I know there's exceptions to that. What, you know, as I was saying, what would be exceptions when the grandparents are in the primary role? What's that? Yeah, yeah, and, uh, but again, the grandmother wasn't primary because the, gra- the mother was there. Yeah, but I think one of the exceptions is what happens if the parents die? The grandparents may then be the primary role, right? So they're thrust into that role. What if, and I've seen this, if the uh, children are incarcerated, the grandparents get thrust in the role of being the primary? Or what happens if the Parents sadly abandon the children. The grandparents are thrust into that role. So those are the exceptions. And they're tragic, but that's, they happen. At that point, grandparents are in the primary role. But, you know, apart from that, you're not. Don't try to get in the primary role. You're not, you're not there, okay? You, unless, your grand, unless your children have either died or in jail or they've abandoned their children, you're not the primary, and um, I think that's really helpful for us to understand. So, D, you are under the authority of your children in your role as grandparent with your grandchildren. Wow. You ever think of that? There's that role reversal I'm talking about. You're really under the authority of your children in that role? You are. You are. Sometimes you see that as a good thing. Some of you smile. Some of you think that's not, a, not really a good thing. It's that role reversal now. By the way, have you had any experience parenting? Have your children? So it's kind of unusual, isn't it? It's, it's kind of unusual that you come under them, and yet you probably know better than they do in a lot of things, in a lot of areas. You know, the same type of challenges in that role reversal that we saw it happen at work or church at home, now can become problems with your relationship with your children. How you deal with this new relationship with your child and their spouse, by the way, will determine the type of relationship you have with your grandchildren. That's why we're looking at this initially. And, you know, in Scripture, we don't have direct commands that say, here's how you're as grandparents to treat your grandchildren or your children. But we do have principles that we can apply to these, this relationship. And we can cultivate and support and develop this supporting role that we have. We can cultivate a relationship with our own children that now is different. And, uh, you know, we can think about that and think about how we're going to do that and be intentional about that. Um, because it's a, new, it's a new relationship. Now, why did I say in, in Roman numeral three, cultivating the new relationship with your child and their spouse? Why include spouse in that? Well, um, I, this was kind of reinforced with me a little while ago. My, my sons came back. I have two sons. And for my birthday, they, uh, they said they come back and, and uh, Dad, we want to take you uh, and just spend a day. Um, and do some things. So they came in. We went to a Mavericks great game late at night, and then we drove out to a place where we fished in the morning, and then we went from fishing right to playing golf. And man, I tell you, we killed it in a day. That was, but during that time we're fishing, I had some time to talk to them. And I said, you know, uh, we talked about their, their parenting roles, and um, I said, you know, it, it'd be, it was a great discussion. And, you know, we talked about how, what we're trying to do as grandparents. And I said, you know, 
we're trying to be intentional. Let's think of some activities and things. Maybe everybody's going to be at our house for Thanksgiving that we can do, and it got very quiet. Got very quiet. It's, you know, planning intentional things to do. Why did he get very quiet? Because their wives weren't on the boat with us. And neither one of those boys were willing to commit to something that their wives weren't totally, you know, totally in the picture with. See, don't try to plan things with your sons without their wives there, okay? <laughs> you can be intentional, but you better have both parts of that relationship there. And I appreciated that. I took that and I remembered that. Okay. Um, and my sons are wise in that regard because they know that no matter what they commit to, they can't follow through with that unless their wives are on board. <laughs> All right. So, what I'm going to encourage you in in these last minutes here is to take a fresh approach, a fresh approach to this cultivating this relationship with your children, your spouse. And the reason I call it a fresh approach is I hope you can remember it after you hit on those doors and walk out. So it's an acronym, FRESH. What does that stand for? FRESH. You need to forgive. You need to respect. You need to encourage. You need to serve. And you need to be humble. And the relationship with your grandchildren. Let's fill that out a little bit. How, what is this fresh approach? How does, it, how does this happen? Well, number one, you need to forgive. You need to forgive and you need to be forgiven. You know, Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. You know, I've talked to a lot of grandparents that have zero relationship with their grandchildren. Zero. You know why? Because their relationship with their child is broken. And they haven't biblically gone back to, to repair that. And it stays broken, and they have no relationship at all with their grandchildren. That's tragic. It's tragic on two, two ways. One is they've never dealt with the relationship with their own child, and now they're cut off from their grandchildren. And that's because there was no forgiveness. There was no forgiveness asked for if the parents sinned against the child, or there was no forgiveness given by the child toward the parent. Now, part of that equation you have no control over. I get that. But if you've sinned against your children, you need to ask them for forgiveness. If your children have sinned against you, what can you do? You can forgive them. You're free, okay? If you've never forgiven them, you are now free to forgive them. Go repair that relationship. Forgive your children and move forward and... and uh, Repair that relationship with your own child. And if there's, if there's, if there's a, a, like a thorn in your relationship with your child, because you still, have, you still have it, but you know you're always working around this thorn because it's never been dealt with. You know what I'm talking about? A problem that happened and it's never been dealt with? Get the thorn out. And that's, that's requiring forgiveness. Yeah, identifying it and then... And then and then asking for forgiveness or granting forgiveness. But that is so crucial to your children. Because let me ask you something. Have your children ever sinned against you? They have. Have you ever sinned against your children? You have. Okay? Don't let that ruin your relationship with your kids. Don't let it. Satan would love that, but don't let it. So grandparents are to ask for and offer forgiveness to their children and their spouses. They exercise a primary role in the training of their grandchildren. Next, R is for respect. Respect. 
Respect your children's position as primary. One of the commentaries I read, so the Apostle Peter summarizes the Bible's teaching on respect in his first epistle from 1 Peter 2.17. It says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. It says the passage encompasses four major areas of our lives, teaching us that as followers of Christ, we should respect all men, other Christians, God, and governmental authorities. The word respect is a translation of the Greek word time state, which means honor or value. It literally means to place a great value or high price on something. Interestingly today, we tend to place our values on personal rights and the equality of men. However, biblical respect is far different. More about a perceived inequality in that we recognize that some things and some people are more important than we are. You know that? There's just, there's sometimes there's things that happen that are more important than we are. And I think it's helpful to respect our children's position as primary. Romans 12, 10 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Think of your child in that area, in that role as, as your children's parent and give preference to that. Romans 13, 1, every person should be subjected to governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and which exists which are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authorities oppose the ordinance of God and they who oppose will receive condemnation upon themselves. Now look, I understand your children are not governing authorities. I'm looking at a principle here and I'm applying that principle of subjection to authority to where you should be with your grandchildren. Don't try to usurp your children. That's why I thought Jonathan might have trouble teaching this lesson. You say, hey, submit to me. But that's basically what your children are in that role with you. And you just need to think about that as you, you know, you're, you're trying to communicate with them. Yes, you do know more about parenting than they do. But you know what? The way you communicate to them may have everything to do with their receipt of a message that you might have. Their, your ability to help them in their parenting role is going to be completely um, underneath the way you communicate that. And if you communicate that like you're the primary here, you're going to lose your children. And ultimately, you, you will have very little impact on your grandchildren. So respect their role. Respect their position. You know, I, it's interesting. In, in our family, you know, our hobbies were sports, surprisingly, okay? So as my children were growing up, I was their coach on most of their sports teams. It gave me a great um, place to speak into their lives in, in different situations. And, you know, you could have on any other venue. I loved it. And so it's, it was real interesting. As, as my grandkids got old enough to play sports, my son became their coach. But guess what? He comes to me and he says, would you be my assistant coach? That's cool, right? He didn't ask me to be the head coach and he'd be my assistant. That's not right, you know? He's the head coach, and I'm his assistant coach. That's kind of the role, right? His parents, that's kind of the role, right? They're the head coach. We're the assistant. Does the assistant have any authority with the players on the team? They do, but they're not primary. Do you have any uh, authority with your grandchildren? Yes, you do. You do, but you're not primary. Okay? So, um, respect their position. 
Grandparents would respect their children and their spouse as they exercise their primary role in training their grandchildren. So, forgive, respect. And then E is encourage. Man, I tell you, that is so important. You are in a role with your child where you can encourage your child more than anybody else. Do you know that? Your children grew up wanting the encouragement of you as their parent, and that hasn't changed any. You can still encourage your child in a significant way, significant way. It's, you know, it's interesting, though. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembly together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, as grandparents and as parents for our children, can we stimulate our children to love and good deeds? Can we? Yeah, we can. Absolutely we can. And, you know, that's just part of the body of Christ. And we're fulfilling that role. We can stimulate our children to love and good deeds. But even more than that, it says, but we encourage them more. And, uh, you know, you think about that. What, what ways can we now encourage our children in their parenting role with our grandchildren? How can you encourage them? What do you think? Yeah, Doug. Encourage Encourage their marriage? Yeah. How would you do that? Babysit. Babysit. (laughs) So they can go out and have a night of their own. Yeah. How else can we encourage our children? Praise Praise them for what? Who said that? Yeah, Paul. Praise them for what? Look for the good things that they're doing. He said, catch them doing good things as parents. Look for those things. You know, don't look for the bad things. Matter of fact, you don't have to look for them. They always jump up at you. <laughs> but you do need to catch them doing the good things. And when you see them doing the good things, tell them that. Encourage them in that. Yeah, that's a great one. Any other way we can encourage yeah, Jane. Talking with your grandchildren, encourage or ask how the grandchildren to listen to their parents. Ah. Instead of giving any advice, say, you know, okay, you know, what your mom and dad say, or you need to ask your mom and dad. Yeah. And even in their presence, right. instead of saying, I acknowledge that you are that's good. That's good. So support their parents' teaching and role that the parents have. Don't undermine that when you have your grandchildren and say, look, I know what they say, but listen to me. No, do the opposite of that. Do the opposite. Do what Jane says. Say, you know what? This is what your parents say, and that's what we're going to do. Or go ask your parents. That's good. That's helpful. Let me, add, let me give you one more. Hey, Doug, you have another one? Yeah. Did you hear that? That's, that's right. That's good. That's, that's on my list too. Look in your grandchildren and acknowledge that what they've exhibited positively comes from the training that the parents have given them. Encourage your children. Go back and say, you know, I saw um, Carson over here do this right, and he followed what you asked him to do. He, his training benefited him thank you for doing that, or I see you doing that. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's a good way. 
How about if your children ask you to do something, do it. <laughs> How about that? If they ask you to do something and you do it, you know that encourages your children? If they say, you know, I'd really like it if you didn't let, um, you know, Creighton have too much sugar. You know, don't, don't do that. Don't give him all that, you know, uh, so that when we pick him up, he's not going 500 miles a minute. And yet our grunt can, they love sugar, right? We want to help them in that area. Do what your children ask you to do. That encourages them, okay? So those are great ideas. All of those are great ideas. And, you know, be intentional in that. Think about how you can encourage your children. Because you've been parenting before. Did you ever need encouragement? Did it ever feel like at some point when you were parenting you were being beat down? Do you need grandparents to come along and beat you down some more? No, you don't. You don't. But man, what a breath of fresh air if somebody comes in and encourages you at that moment when you feel so beat down. Somebody breathes some, some encouragement into your soul. You know, it just lifts you up. And we can do that. We can do that. We can do it better than anybody else, by the way. Um, but you know what? We can discourage them better than anybody else, too. How do we discourage our children in their parenting? What are ways we discourage them? Criticize them? You know, I really don't think that this is the best that you've done here. Well, that's, that's helpful. I mean, it's kind of the reverse of what we just said, right? That's how we discourage them. Like, uh, I think we're, um, Jane was saying, come under your parents. You can discourage your children by, by uh, usurping their role. You can discourage them by saying, you know, I know your parents said this, but don't do that. And you can discourage them by saying to them constantly, I see this in your children. You need to fix it. You know, I see this child is totally out of control. It's your fault. Yeah, it kind of discourages the parents. And if you're constantly looking at their children going, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Is there anything wrong with your grandparents? Your grandkids, I mean? No, yours are perfect. Mine aren't. Neither one of those guys. <laughs> you can find those things. And you can beat your kids over the head with them. I just say don't do that. Do the other things we talked about. Grandparents are to encourage their children and their spouse as they exercise their primary role in training their children. So we have F, forgiveness, R, respect, E, encourage, S is serve. Serve your children. Hmm. I don't know if I really saw my role as serving my children. I served them their whole life. I wiped their noses. Now what, you want me to continue to serve my children? Yep. How you do? Serve your children. And I put some verses here. Philippians 3, Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests. Wait a minute, I thought that's what grandparents were supposed to do. No. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. Be sacrificial. Be willing to give up your own personal interests to serve your children. 
Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that the Lord, from the Lord you will receive the reward of an inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. By the way, when you serve your child, you're serving the Lord. When you're serving your child, you're looking for your reward from the Lord. That's kind of important because otherwise, you know who you might be looking for your reward from? From your children. Oh, now you owe me. Look what I did. See, I served you here. Now you owe me. No, they don't. You're doing this as unto the Lord. You're serving the Lord. Your reward, you're looking for your reward as to the Lord, not to your child, okay? Don't expect great praise, great thankfulness, all of this. I'd be wonderful if it comes, but look, Look to the Lord. No, you're doing this sacrificially. You know what? Your children may not even see some of the things you do. So they're not going to be able to praise you. Don't do this for your children to reward you. Do this for the Lord to reward you. Do this as unto the Lord. And then Psalm 102 says, serve the Lord with gladness. (laughs) You know, grandparents, we're great at the martyr syndrome, right? We can really manipulate our children because we can be a martyr. We can go, you know, we've watched this kid for three weeks in a row now. Don't you think we're great? Or don't you think you need to mow our lawn? I don't know. You know, there's, my mom's great at doing that. She can, she can really find those things to use as leverage on me. And pretty soon, I'm, she's kind of got me like a robot doing stuff. We can do that with our children, you know. We can create leverage on them to get them to do what we want them to do. Don't do that. Don't do that. Serve your children, but serve them as to the Lord. Don't do that to gain leverage on your children. And when you serve your children, don't use it. Just do it. Do it. I know babysitting is a huge thing. Uh, There's a lot of ways, though, we can serve our children if you're creative and you're thoughtful about that. Give me some other ideas of how you can serve your children in their parenting role with your grandchildren. What are ways you can serve them? Pray for them. them. What's that? Financial help. If they need some help financially, you can serve your children by by helping them at the appropriate time. You know, I I think sometimes our our financial things are, are kind of backwards. I mean, when we die, our children inherit what we have, and by then they're through all their difficult times. Their most difficult times are probably at our age now. Now, certainly we need to be good stewards. You don't want to just, you know, uh, be meeting needs that aren't real needs. You have to be good stewards. You have to be thoughtful. You have to have discernment. But, you know, certainly this is a time in their lives where maybe it's their greatest financial need. That's a good idea. What other ways might we serve our kids? Right. That's good, though, Kathy. She says, listen. Listen to your kids. Listen without critical critique. Just listen. Do you think that's sometimes helpful for a parent to have somebody that can just, somebody listen to them? That's really good. Listen to them, you know, without adding, without judgment, thank you, without adding your two cents, okay? Just listen sometimes. Don't, you have to, you, you know, I'm a problem solver, right? 
So when somebody tells me a problem, what am I going to do? I'm going to fix it for them, right? Well, they didn't really want me to fix it for them. They just want me to listen to them. And I have to have that. I have to be intentional. I have to think about that. Anything else service-wise? Yeah? Yeah, going back to that, going back to encouragement. Listen to those positive things, you know. And I just think there's a, so many multitude of ways you can serve them. I mean, your kid's time is, is, is jammed up. You know, maybe there's some things around the house you can help them with if you're handy. Some of you are handier than others. And maybe you help mom in the kitchen once in a while. I mean, there's just so many spontaneous opportunities that we have to serve our children if... We don't think our role is to come in and sit on the couch when we go to their house. Oh, that's why I'm here. <laughs> come bring me lunch and, you know, that's, we're not serving our kids that way. But if we go to their house and we think, okay, I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to think about ways I can serve them here. I'm going to look for, you know, things to do to help them. I really don't want to come and have them at another, you know, they're working to help their own children. Now I'm going to add, serve me too, by the way. Now I'm going to come alongside them, underneath them, and help them, serve them. Grandparents are to encourage their children and their spouse as they exercise primary role in training their children. And we're going to do that not as partners, but in a support role. We're going to do that as into the Lord, and we're going to do that sacrificially and joyfully. Okay? So forgiveness, respect, encouragement, service, and then humility. Humility. See, Ephesians 4, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of calling which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Colossians three twelve. As to those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. You know, Humility kind of, it, it, it's kind of in that whole discussion with gentleness and patience. You know, as we get to be grandparents, is patience something that we can have more of? Why? Why, why can we have more patience now? Doug said it earlier, we don't have them all the time. <laughs> you know that? You're not going to have them for the next, you know, so you're going to have them for a period. So you can be really patient. You can be patient. And you can be really humble with your children. It'll be helpful for your children if you're not arrogant and you don't come to them with all your demands because you've exalted yourself. But you come with humility. You come to come underneath them. You come to support them. Even though you're the experts in the field, even though you know way more than they do. Well, you probably do. I mean, if you've raised a child, they haven't. You know, you've probably learned some things that would be helpful for them, but you can't come across like that. What you do is you be humble and you look for those opportunities where you can, you can maybe come alongside. But you know what is even more helpful? Maybe you just let them learn like you learned. You don't have to tell them everything. That person that said, when to keep my mouth shut is right. There's times you see something you know is wrong, but you don't have to tell them that. You, you, you don't have to. It's not going to ruin the child or ruin them. Let it go. Be humble. 
Everything you see and everything you know, you don't have to communicate all at once. Remember the long view? Keep the long view. There's things that be helpful for your child, but do it at the right time. Be thoughtful of how you're going to communicate that to them. Don't be spontaneous and go, oh, I see it. I know how to do this. <laughs> be, be more thoughtful than that. Be spontaneous in the way you serve, but don't be spontaneous in the way that you communicate advice and counsel. Be intentional on that, okay? Look for the right opportunities for that and think through that because humility is displayed to your children when, look, they know you know. But if they want to know, they'll ask you, okay? They'll ask you. Let them ask you. Be humble. Don't lord that over them. Don't, don't say, look, I've raised four kids. I think I know how to do this. They know you've raised four kids. And they know some things you did that they probably don't want to do. <laughs> and that may change, by the way. I had uh, one of my children tell me, you know what? We're not going to spank our children. We just think that it would be better if we raise them without conflict. <laughs> of course, their child was one year old. That did change. <laughs> that did change. But you know what? If you try to change it at that point in time, maybe that's not such a good idea. Maybe it's okay to just wait. Now, we did look at what Scripture says on that. And, um, you know, it's funny how that changed because not only do they spank their children, they now have given me the authority to spank their children too. <laughs> but I didn't have to tell them that. I just said, you know, may want to look at this book over here, this book that has the words of God in it. And, uh, but anyway, I, you know, I just think if we exhibit humility, if we come across as those who aren't necessarily those who know everything, but those who are willing to listen, that's what, that, humility requires that listening without judgment. That's humility. You're just going just gonna to listen. Do you know the answer? Yep. Can you fix the problem? Yep. Are you going to? No. Not this time. You're just going to listen. Be humble. You know, um, and you're free to do that. You know, I think sometimes we think, well, that's the Lord's responsibility he's given me. I've got to correct everything wrong with my children. Really, it's not. It's not. You know, your children are going to grow in their abilities and their responsibilities with their own children. And, you know, you'll have opportunities if you're intentional and, and think about them right. And, you know, sometimes you'll mess up because you'll be spontaneous. You'll go, oh, that wasn't right. And then you go, oh, no, I shouldn't have said that. It's okay to ask your child for forgiveness if you do that at the wrong time because you can. You can embarrass your children. But, man, what a, if you're cultivating a relationship and you're taking the fresh approach, you're looking at the long view here, you're going to forgive your children, you're going to respect their position, you're going to encourage them in their parenting, you're going to serve them intentionally looking for those opportunities, and you're going to do this with humility. You're going to be humble. You're going to cultivate a great relationship with your child. And you know what that's going to open up to you? Wonderful opportunities with your grandchildren. Let's pray. And Father, we are. We're so thankful, Lord, for your direction that you give us from your word because you are a great God. You're a sovereign God. You're a God of all wisdom. Lord, you're our Father. 
Certainly you know as father how we're to act as grand, grandparents. Lord, we're thankful for the principles you give us in your word that would lead us to a vibrant, wonderful, nurturing friendship, relationship with our own children as they're uh, walking this, their own road of raising their children. Lord, help us to be grandparents that support their effort in that. Help us to be grandparents that forgive them and ask for forgiveness. Help us to be grandparents that show respect for our children's primary role with your children. Lord, help us to encourage our children intentionally, looking for those opportunities, Lord. Help us to serve our children in the areas where you've given us abilities. Lord, help us to be humble. Help us to be humble in all the way that we communicate. Help us to be humble in in our example. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.